Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Can you say a good amen to that amen. this morning? Wow, you may be seated. What a, what, a, uh, what a statement this morning. What a statement. We're talking about uh, uh, the church's commission that Christ has given to us. The foundation of that commission is resurrection. That is the very basis of our gospel. It is founded upon resurrection. Our whole life, our salvation, everything is founded on the resurrection. Without that, it's all vanity. Right. Preaching is in vain, Paul said. Your faith is in vain. Yeah. Uh, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then we're wasting our time here this morning. On, you just well go down to the yeah. beach. You just well go get you some place and head to the mountains today. And, uh, and go get all you can get out of this life. Because if that's, you've only got one life, and if that's all you've got, what time you have here, then you better live it to the fullest of your own self-pleasure. And all it's got. But if Jesus did raise from the dead, that presents another whole scenario altogether, another situation. Presents something for us to consider. Because that means that if he rose from the dead... And he went somewhere, there must be life after death. There must be something that takes place. There must be an existence that is beyond the grave. Woo, glory to God. Amen. Because even in order to raise from the grave, there had to be some aspect of the being that never died in the grave, that never disappeared and wasn't placed in the tomb. Only the body was placed in the tomb, but the spirit and soul were remained in existence alive in that sense, and they were reunited, and there was a resurrection that was produced. And that is the very foundation of, our, of this commission. Read through the book of Acts and see how often the Bible talks about they preached the resurrection. The Sadducees got upset at them because they preached the resurrection. They thought they got rid of that Jesus, and then they had a bunch of fellows going around saying he wasn't dead at all, and he was alive. And the problem they had is they couldn't produce a corpse to prove him otherwise. They couldn't find any kind of body parts. They couldn't even find a fingernail. Oh, glory. They couldn't find a finger. They couldn't find a hair. They couldn't find anything. No, sir. In order to prove that these apostles are wrong and Jesus didn't raise from the dead. But nevertheless, 
That is the very foundation of this commission, and we talked about it. And there is the faith of this commission, and that's where I want to deal with again here this morning. The faith of this commission is such that who is it that's given it? It's Jesus Christ. He is the object. He's commanded us. He's told us to go, and he's the object. And I want to, I want to deal with his supremacy again this morning. His supremacy, and then we'll, we'll deal with this, uh, just a few statements I want to make about his submission, and then I want to make a few statements about his singleness and hope to share that with you this morning. I talked about in this idea of his supremacy. Jesus said all power in verse 18. He came to them and said all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And there's three things there he focuses on. All power. What power? Power in heaven and earth. All power in heaven. All power in earth. That's all that we know. I don't know any power beyond that because that's basically what constitutes life for us and that's what concerns us and all of that has been placed in the hands of Christ. Now when we talk about this supremacy I want to talk about the power. Mentioned that uh, Wednesday night. What is this power? We talked about it as being governmental power as being inherent power in the sense of the ability, the power of the mind, the power of the hand the power to do. It's the idea of authority. Jesus said all authority is given to me in heaven and earth all, all mental and uh, power, all physical power is given unto me, all governmental power is given unto me. All power in the natural world, in the moral realm, in the spiritual realm, in, in the physical realm. It's all in the hands of Christ, in the civil arena, in the religious arena. Jesus Christ is the head of everything that's in this world. And I went through that, and I shared that with you Wednesday night. And then we talked a little bit about his person uh, and the sense of his supremacy, what it said about him. Uh, this is the, and I want you to get that and understand it, that this all power has been given unto Jesus Christ. Now, I want to tell you something. This is a decision that's been made by the God of the universe. He's placed everything in the hands of the God-man. He's placed it in his hands. All heaven and earth has been placed. Our direction is placed in the hands of Jesus. The destiny of this planet, thank God, is not in the hands of Barack Obama. The destiny of this planet is not in the hands of a Donald Trump. It's not in the hands of a president of France or Mexico or England or Queen of England. It's not in the hands of Congress. It's in the hands of Jesus Christ. Oh, glory. Oh, yes, sir. If we rise or fall, it's going to hinge on the judgment of Jesus Christ. He will determine whether this nation falls or whether this nation rises. Every nation that's going to rise or fall is going to be determined on their view of Christ. It's going to be determined on the respect that they have toward the Lord Jesus Christ. Disregard his authority and the judge will speak. Regard his authority and the judge will speak. Either way, he will determine what will be the end of every nation. Think about that, how powerful that is. Think about any man on this earth today that you would take and give them that kind of power. I don't know of any one human being that has the character to maintain it. I'm talking about there's a devil out there. He's slick and he's sly and he's been able to take men. Look at all men. Just take men that have gained limited power. Find any man that gets success and I will tell you he will have a hard time maintaining his humility. He'll have a hard time maintaining his station in life. 
life and remembering where he got it from. God even told Israel, when you go into Canaan land, he said, I don't want you to forget me. I don't want you to forget where those vineyards came from. I don't want you to forget that I cast those nations out before you. And I didn't bring you in because you were righteous. I brought you in because those nations were sinful. I didn't bring you in because you were great. I brought you in because they were needed judged and have turned their back upon me. And I brought you in and I gave you this land. He had cast the wicked out and he gave it to Israel. And when Israel gave, were turned to wickedness, he cast them out as well. And he turned them and dispersed them among the nations. And when they'll turn their heart back to God, he'll bring them back to the land where they, that was theirs to begin with or that he gave unto them. But understand something. When you give a man that kind of power, few, any, and I've looked at preachers, when they get big, when the crowds start coming, when they have the five, the 15, 20,000, when God starts using them, it seems like uh, the power goes to their head. Uh, it seems like the applause goes to their head. Uh, and before you know it, uh, they're off in some kind of crazy doctrine. They're off uh, uh, talking about themselves. Uh, and time and time again, man has been corrupted. Uh, time and time again. Uh, and I will tell you here this morning, let us be cautious. Uh, God has blessed us. Uh, and America has become proud instead of humble. God's been good to us and we have become lifted up instead of lowly. And we ought to remember ourselves today that without him we can do nothing and nothing's going to be built in WPC of Washington without the approval of Jesus Christ. I, I just want you to see what it says about his character. Who can you trust with that kind of power? What kind of man does it take to receive that kind of power? And you can trust him with earth's nations. You can trust him with earth's families. You can trust him with earth's governments. You can trust him with earth's resources. You can trust him that when the end is done, that that earth and the heaven will be brought together for the glory of God and that he will overcome the enemy. As I said, there's an enemy. When Jesus died, he didn't bind up the devil and put him in a prison. He's as loose as he's ever been. He's as free as he's ever been to traverse this earth and is still going about walking to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. And But I'm telling you, and he's been able, when he gets someone with power, he's been able to influence them. But when Jesus Christ went by the way of that cross, he defeated that enemy. And the devil's never been able to get to him. I just want you to understand this morning that Christ is of the utmost high and moral character. He's had this power for 2,000 years and he hadn't changed. It hadn't corrupted him. He hasn't become evil and wicked. He hasn't turned away from his purpose. God hasn't said, I made a mistake. I need to get him off the throne. The Father hasn't looked down and said, Something's wrong here. I shouldn't have chose Jesus. He sits there, yet in power, faithful as faithful can be. Amen. And we can rest assured that the one there is not just man. He is truly God. And he is suited for the role. He's capable of fulfilling it. And his person is adequate to the task. Thirdly was the possibility. We talked about that Wednesday night. I want to talk finally some more about this idea of the priority of this kingdom. That's where I want to deal with a little bit here this morning. The priority of this kingdom. Again, you see Christ and he comes and he's got this business of 
of, of having all of this authority. Now, you ought to ask yourself a question here. Suppose for a moment that all of that authority was placed in your hands. What would you do with it? Let's suppose that all of a sudden God just said to you, you are now king over all of heaven and earth. Every angel answers to you. Every devil has to give account to you. Every human being has to answer to you. Every king, every mama, every daddy, every boy, every girl has to answer to you. My, my, my. What a task. Think about it. Think about what responsibility. We look at it and see glory. Let me tell you something. It isn't merely glory. It's responsibility. There is a task that's been laid upon the shoulder of the Son. He says, all power has been given unto me. He didn't, take, he didn't say, all power has been given unto me. All right, now everybody bow down and recognize it. All right, everybody bow down and give me glory. No, sir, he set to work immediately. All power has been given unto me. Go. All power has been given unto me. Wait till you get the power of the Holy Ghost on you and then go. Go, go, go do this and go do that. In other words, he's immediately taking care of the business of the kingdom. But what do you do when you get all this power? Well, if it had been us... And we'd have got all this power high. That rascal Caiaphas, uh, yes, sir, uh, he turned me in. Uh, he turned me over to Pilate. Now I'm over him. Uh, I'm on Nelly's hide to the wall. Uh, that old Mr. Pilate, uh, he thinks he's got it all together. He sent me out across to be crucified. I'll show him. I got power now. I'll make his life as miserable as miserable can be. Uh, when he got the power, he never took revenge. Uh, when he got the power, he never looked back at earth and says, uh, I'm going to go back and vindicate my name. You know what he did? He looked at a ragtag bunch of disciples and said, I want you to go out and tell them I'm not dead and tell them I'm alive. I want you to tell them I didn't come to condemn them. I came to save them. I want you to tell them that there's a way they can be liberated from their wickedness. If they'll put their trust in me and come under my government, they can live and not die. Go tell them and proclaim the message of this life. Go proclaim it unto all, Paul said, all the words of this life and declare it unto them. But I think about how that the first order of business, and it shows something about his priority. First order of business is not revenge. First order of business is not taking down the Roman Empire. First order of business is not straightening out the Pharisees and Sadducees. First order of business is not reaching down there and making and just kind of kind of doing a ha ha ha. I told you so, and looking at somebody and say, "Hey, I made it, and you you missed it, buddy." <laughs> yes, sir. It wasn't shoving in your face. First order of business. Matter of fact, it's not even to appear to the world. First order of business is not to go out and do any miracles. First order of business. Uh, is to make sure that group of men and women who have been faithful to you while you were on earth, uh, who confessed your name when it wasn't popular, who said you were the Christ uh, and believed you were the Son of God, gather them in uh, and make sure that they understand uh, that you're the same Christ uh, and that you're not dead but you're alive uh, and you're not one uh, that has been passed off into oblivion. Uh, you sit at the right hand of God. Uh, they were convinced uh, that he was the God. Uh, they were convinced that he was the Christ. Uh, but when death took 
him, it shook and rattled the foundation of their system. And now they must be convinced that he is alive. Glory to God. They don't need to be convinced of his person. They already believe that. They don't need to be convinced of his power. They believe that. They need one conviction. They need to know that he hadn't passed off the scene. They need to know that death has not conquered him. They need to know that he is still who he said he was and that the cross was not his defeat, but rather it was a path of victory. The cross was not his demise. It was a path to glory under the right hand of the throne of God. First order of business is to convince these disciples I'm alive. The Bible said in Acts chapter 1, he showed himself alive by many infallible proofs after his passion, after his crucifixion, after his death. First thing he did was showed himself alive. See, they already believe the power. They believe in his character. They believe in his nature. They believe in his purposes. They already believe that. What they struggled with is that death got him just like it got everybody else. No matter how good your purposes are, if you can't whip death, your purposes are going to come to the end. No matter how good your character is, if you can't whip death, your influence dies. Amen. No matter how smart you are, if you can't whip death, then your intelligence goes. It's over. He didn't write a book. He didn't leave any book with them. No, sir. He didn't write a, 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 some kind of book to leave so that they can read it and study it when he's gone. No, because Jesus Christ didn't want to in that regards. He, he was going to be the book. He still is the book. Glory to God. Yeah, the scripture is going to come. I understand that. But sometimes we've replaced the living Christ with that which is written about the Christ. Listen, I don't worship the Bible. I worship the God that's in the Bible. I don't worship the book. I worship the God of the book. And I'm here to tell you, if Jesus doesn't live, that book is of no value. You understand that? I'm telling you, if Jesus is not alive, that Bible, I don't care how good it is, it's false. It's of no value. It's just something that can talk about a thing in history. But the reason that book is of value is because the one that book talks about is still alive. Glory to the Lamb of God. And he sits on the right hand of God today and he stands there and he makes intercession for us and the reason we're Christians is not because we follow a set of rules but it's because the Lord of glory lives and dwells in us and he's got a priority in his kingdom and the first order of business is to make men know he lives the second order is once these guys are convinced they got to go I got to go tell the story. And I'm not going to go let them go alone. I'm going to go with them. But I want them to go tell the story. I want them to go make disciples. I'm going to talk about that later, about that commission. But I just wanted to bring to you this morning what it says. This is the order of business in the kingdom of God. Notice where he puts that when Jesus Christ has got all power and all authority, he immediately focuses on his disciples and he makes sure that they know that he lives. He makes sure they understand the power that has been given to him. He makes sure that they understand. He is now not under Pilate, he's over Pilate. He's not under the Sanhedrin, he's over the Sanhedrin. He's not under Joseph and Mary, he's over Joseph and Mary. He's not under them, he's over them. He's over it all. And he's not under the devil, he's not under death, he's not under any angel, he's not under 
under any man. He's not under any human government. He's not under any business. He's not subject to any society. He's over it all, everything, and he's got to convince them of that. And now he says, here's the first order of business. I'm going to build my kingdom. I'm going to build my church. I want you to go make disciples, and I want you to go out into all nations, and I'm going to build my church. That's what Christ is doing in this hour. In this hour, what he's doing, and rather than coming down just overthrowing every nation and coming to the world and showing himself visibly and ruling in a visible presence, that time has come, but it hasn't come yet. And we've got to admit, it's been almost 2,000 years since he left this planet, and he has yet to come. He has yet to come visibly and show that rule in that reign. That says because he's not done yet building that church. There's still some things he's got to accomplish. There's still some bricks that's got to be put into it. There's still some windows that's got to be polished. There's still some things and places that are got to. I'll tell you one thing. If I know anything, I believe he's nailing the shingles on the roof. Woo, glory. Hallelujah. I think he's putting on the finishing touches. I think we're at that place where the Lord is on the trim work and he's got down to the fine details and he's bringing this thing together. Glory to the Lamb of God. He's building his church and he said, I'm going to build my kingdom because when I come to rule, I'm not going to rule alone. I'm going to rule with men and women who know my power and know my authority. Woo, glory. Now let's look at a few passages that establish this rule. I want you to see it. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let's go over there for a moment, first of all. And a couple of passages that deal with it so you can see where he's at. This all power that's been given to him, what he's doing with it. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He talks about it. And you'll notice where Paul begins this chapter. He ends up talking about the, the rule of Christ, but it's sandwiched in this concept of resurrection. He talks about this folks in Corinth. Paul will write this letter while he's at Ephesus. So it's three years at Ephesus. And it's during that time that Paul writes this letter to the church at Corinth, 1 Corinthians. Now he's still got several years to work for Christ. He hadn't been put in prison yet, which in two years in Caesarea, he hasn't went to Rome. He's not been to any of that yet. He's at Ephesus in that three-year stay where he's, where he's writing at, and there already are some folks back there in Corinth that are saying there's no resurrection. Uh -huh. Go ahead. Imagine that. Go ahead. That's kind of tough, isn't it? Yeah. What in the world's going on with that crowd down there? And so Paul writes and tells them and says, look, how is there to some folks among you who say there's no resurrection of the dead? Well, that's what we've been preaching. Matter of fact, that's the message that saved you. Right. What saved you is that you believe God raised him right. from the dead. Amen. Yes, sir, because if, if you don't, if he didn't raise him from the dead, oh, you're going to put your faith in a dead man. Right. And I'm going to be honest with you, dead man can't help you. Right. That's it. I have yet to get anything out of a dead person. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir, only the living are able to help us. And so he talks about that, goes through all this, who he's been seen of, and, and goes through this, how he, there are witnesses. Paul says, you want to talk about there's no one in the dead? We still got folks that are alive. Go talk to them. They saw him. Right. You've got proof that he rose from the uh, dead. I, you, you're, this is nonsense that you're talking. 
and given this mess. He was seen in the apostles and yep. 500 and then seen by James. And Paul said, I'm going to tell you, I've seen him. I was one born out of death. I've seen him. Yeah. He's alive, and I'm right. telling you he's alive. He goes on to tell him about his, uh, uh, Christ being preached, and if there's no resurrection from the dead, then Christ didn't arisen. In verse 14, your preaching's vain, your faith is in vain. Yeah. Then he comes down here and talks about, <clears throat> as an Adam all die, all in Christ will be made alive. Verse 24, and he says, Then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all power and all authority and power. Put down. The word put down here means to abolish, cause to cease, to deprive of, um, to deprive of force. So he says he's going to put down. What's he going to put down? Here comes the end. When's the end going to come? The end's going to come when he delivers the kingdom to the Father. When's he going to deliver the kingdom to the Father? When he has put down all power. When he's put down all rule, rather, all authority and all power. All rule, all authority, and all power. The word rule here is the same word that's translated principality. Uh, it means it's also translated beginning. In the beginning. We knew him that's from the beginning. It's the commencement of something. It's like the, the spring of something, the source of something from which it comes. When you talk about a, a principality, it talks about the power, uh, a territory that's governed and, uh, and, and the sense of the where that power flows out of. This is where the power flows out of. It comes from this territory. It's exercised in this arena. And he says that Christ is going to put down, he's going to cause to cease all all power, all uh, rule, I should say. He's going to cause the cease of all principalities, uh, all beginnings. The devil gets a kingdom going over here. The devil gets a kingdom going over there. He starts something over here, starts some business over there, and they've all got their place, uh, and they've all got their commencement, and they've got their reign, uh, and they started out of this and out of that, but they've all they've got the roots, many of them, outside of God uh, and outside of the Lord, uh, and they, they become this. Uh, rule and they've begun this kingdom and they got this business and they got this religion and they've all got their territories and they've all, all got their places of rule and he said when it comes to the end what Jesus will have done is he will have put down all rule. He will cause to cease every ounce of power that is outside of his dominion. Glory to God. And it's not really outside his dominion but rather contrary to his dominion. He doesn't have to put down anything that's subjected to him, but whatever's resisting him, whatever coming against his kingdom, whatever's opposed to the cause of God, whatever opposed to righteousness, whatever principality, whatever territory, whatever authority, whatever power, whatever there is out there in this world that is in opposition to the kingdom of Christ, he's going to cause it to cease. He's going to cause it to stop. It's going to lose its power. He's going to derive it of its force. He's going to drain it of its resources. He's going to suck all the strength out of it. Glory to the Lamb of God. And then when it's done and everything is subjected under the Lord Jesus Christ, everything is placed under his feet. He looks up to the Father and says, here it is. It is yours. I give it unto you. He must reign until all enemies have been placed under him. Amen. Think about that just for a moment. Let me read this. Last enemy, for he must reign, verse 25, till he has put all enemies under his feet. That's the powers and authorities he's talking about. 
the rule, the power, and authority. These are his enemies. Yes. Jesus Christ has been given all power, but not everybody respects it. There's a kingdom out there that doesn't respect that power and is opposing it, fighting against it, hindering, trying to stop it, trying to shut down the advancement of his causes. The last enemy shall be destroyed, not defeated, but destroyed. Death has already been defeated. It just hasn't yet been destroyed. Okay? People are still dying. Mm -hmm. Yep. It won't be destroyed for even until after the millennial reign. That's when all this is going to come to pass. But I just want to try to get you to the millennial reign here this morning. But I want you to see that death was defeated when Christ rose from the dead. He defeated it. He conquered it. He overcame it. But he hasn't yet confined it. He hasn't yet destroyed it and put it under his feet so that it ceases to exist or, or ceases to have any more power. Ceases to have any more. There's going to come a day. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, yeah. When all of death and hell is cast into the lake of Man. fire. Calls out the second death. And then we're going to enter into an age where there is no more death. No one shall die from henceforth. From that day forward, there will be no power of death. Those that were bound to it will be confined into a lake of fire. And it will never wrap its grimy hands around another soul. It will never be able to reach out and touch another life. Nobody else after that who lives upon the face of the earth will ever have to mourn. Will never have to face a broken relationship. Will never have to face a child, a funeral. There will be no funeral processions in the eternal state to God. We will not gather around coffins. We will sing no dirges. We will sound forth no eulogies. We will just declare he lives and he lives forevermore. And we live because he lives. And death has not only been defeated, it's been destroyed. It's been cast into the lake of fire. It's eternally confined into the place of death. And life now abounds. Hallelujah. And he goes on to say, notice, for he hath put all things under his feet. But when he said all things are put under him, it's manifest that he is accepted which did put all things under him. The word put here is to subject. All right. In verse 27. In verse 25, he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. There, the word means to place or establish. He establishes everything under his feet. And then... Here he subjects everything to him. All of these uh, get into the same point. He talks about he puts down all power. He deprives it of its force in verse 24. And then he puts it under his feet in verse 25. And in that, in verse 26, it's destroyed. And in verse 27, everything else is subjected. Everything is subjected under the rulership of Jesus Christ. In verse 27 and verse 28, he mentions it six times. For he hath put all things under his feet. When he says all things, he are put under him. It is manifest that he is accepted, which did put three times. And when all things shall be subdued, same word as put in, the, in that New Testament. It means subordinate or subject unto him. Then shall the Son also be subject or, or subdued or put under him that put all things under him that God may be all in all. Now, I'll deal with that subject.
activity later. I just want you to see in this passage what Christ is doing. He's reigning. Right now he is reigning and he is ruling and he is governing. We think, oh, there's wickedness in the world and where's it all going? What's it all happening? If Christ is reigning, why do we have sickness? If Christ is reigning, why do we have evil? If Christ is reigning, why is there abortion? If Christ is reigning, then why aren't we living in a millennial time of peace if Christ is reigning? Because his priority right now is not to rule visibly and, and cause every civil government to cease in that regard or subjugate it all to him. He's still letting the enemy run loose for a while because right now what he's doing is reaching into that crowd. And I'm telling you, you may say, oh, he's not reigning. Oh, it looks like he's doing nothing. He's doing more than you think he is, my friend. He is still setting limits and boundaries. Yes, there's evil, but he only lets it go so far. Yes, there's wickedness, but it will come a place it will shut down. I will tell you, look at every charlatan, every false prophet, every false teacher out there. I'm telling you, their days are numbered. They may be spreading their junk, but there will come a day they'll be exposed and shut down. He'll judge the church. He'll judge the Jezebels, and he'll bring that mess down. America will only go so far in her rebellion, and he'll shut it down. I will tell you, England will only go so far in her promotion of homosexuality, and he'll shut it down. We aren't going to take it to Mars. We weren't meant to live on Mars. I know we think we can go there and we can look for life, but you don't need to look on Mars. You need to look at Calvary. That's where it's at. The life is not on some other planet. We've ruined this one, and we're looking for another one. No, sir. Look to the one who sits at the right hand of the Father with all power. He's reaching, he's got enemies. First of all, why do we have all this evil? We have this evil because there is a kingdom that is in opposition to Christ's kingdom. That's why we've got evil. we got evil because we have rebellion. we got evil because folks don't want to follow rules. we got evil because we're filled with lawlessness in this land and folks don't like to be under authority. Full of rebellion and selfishness. Right. That's why, because there is another king out there yeah. who's called the prince of this world, right. who's called the god of this world. Yeah. He's a king. And he has raising up a kingdom. Yeah. Yeah, he mm-hmm. He's got a kingdom. You can read about it, Colossians chapter 1. Jesus talks about them, called him, called the devil the strong man of the house. He's got him a house. And he's a strong man over that house. He said, the only way I can enter in and buy him the, and spoil the goods of the house is you've got to buy him the strong man. And he said that in the context of him casting out devils. How could he cast out devils? How could he spoil the goods of the devil's kingdom? How was he able to go in and, and deliver somebody from the devil's power and free them and liberate them from the devil's kingdom? It's because Jesus had bound the strong man. Glory to God. That kingdom's got a strong man. The devil is a strong man and he's got a house and he's built it but I'm just telling you there's somebody stronger than the strong man oh glory 
glory to the Lamb of God. There's somebody greater than the strong man, and his name is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ has plundered him, and he is reaching into that kingdom. That kingdom sits in opposition to the kingdom of Jesus Christ. So he reaches down and shows his power right now. He's building his church. How? He's not building it by coming down and shutting out the devil and in the sense of uh, uh, destroying him and kicking him out. Uh, he's reaching into his kingdom uh, and snatching lives out of it. Uh, if the Lord uh, had shut the devil's kingdom down uh, 2,000 years ago, uh, we wouldn't even be here today. Uh, oh, yes, sir. Uh, if he'd shut that kingdom down when you said you want to shut it down, uh, you wouldn't have had time to get saved. Uh, you wouldn't have heard the gospel. You'd have went down with the kingdom. You'd have went down with the darkness. Uh, you'd have went down with the depravity. Oh, he's been merciful. He has been merciful to continue his kingdom. I'm glad he hadn't come for 2,000 years. I want him to come, but I'm glad I know him. I'm glad he came and gave me an opportunity to escape the powers of darkness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah. 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 Again, I, I don't want to lose you here, and I, forgive me for my repetitiveness, but I, I want you to see that in his reign, relative to the evil that's in the world, he has not shut it down. He has not eliminated the wickedness, but he has limited it. He has drawn lines he has shut doors and he has directed things sometimes through the weather through various providential acts of God Jesus Christ has has, has been able to guide nations have come and gone but the church remains Powers have risen and powers have fallen, but the church remains. Hallelujah. The kingdom of the enemy has tried to shut it out and shut it down. But you can't do it because the king lives. And the king that's over all, hallelujah. He'll only let you go so far with your agenda. Homosexuals may think they can transform a nation and they may. They may bring it down, but they will not stop the church of Jesus Christ. They may get a lot of folks to join them. They may get a lot of compromisers that will hold their hands and join them in their plans. But I can tell you there's going to be a people who are going to stand up in the midst of that mess and say, no, sir, no, sir, I will not bow to that. I will not yield to that. I have yielded myself to the authority of the king. I believe in the one that rules and reigns. I'm in his kingdom. I don't live in that kingdom of darkness, and I'm not going down that road. And I will tell you he shuts them down at some point but at the same time evil continues to go it continues to work it continues to produce its product it continues to spread its filth it continues to spread its lies it will even come to a place that it will get so that Christ will say alright now I'm going to limit you I'm going to shut you down to a few short years that's been enough you've went far enough you've influenced enough and he comes to the place where he takes and he says 
I'm going to snatch the church out. And he raptures the church out of the world. And he snuffs the light out. And he says, okay, you folks think it's great. I'm going to let you have it. You've turned to that kingdom. I'm going to let you have it for just a little bit. And then they come and they, they make their schemes. But I will tell you, while they're down here making their plans, and while they begin to cry peace and safety, while they begin to say, we put it all together, when they begin to say, I tell you, there's some folks around the throne. All the saints of ages are giving him glory. And they're praising him. And we're in Revelation 4 and 5. And they're glorifying the king. And they're magnifying God. They're casting their crowns at his feet. And they're giving praise and glory to him. Oh, yes, sir. And while on the earth they're singing peace and safety. Oh, we found they got rid. There's no more. Yeah, we've got the upper hand. We're going to do what we want. I'll tell you what he does. He reaches down to that book in his hand. And he snatches out that first seal. And it breaks the second. And it breaks the third. And it breaks the fourth. And he opens the fifth. And the sixth. And then he begins to read the contents of the book. And judgment comes upon the world. And in seven years, he's going to make an end of sin. He's going to shut it down. He's going to fulfill prophecy. And he's going to come back and reign upon this planet. He is working in all the processes, bringing everything in its course while men exercise free will. He is so wise that he can still accomplish his plan while they make theirs. Sometimes he shuts them down, limits them. That's okay. But he gets to this place. When we get to this end, what's he doing? He's reigning till he's putting every enemy under his feet. <laughs> Woo, glory to the Lord. Now I'm just going to tell you something right now. Before you got saved, you were his enemy. Yes, sir. When we were at enemies, Christ died for us. Yes, there are enemies of the cross, and we were one of them. But you see what he's doing now? He's, he's got his enemies against his kingdom, but at this moment, he's still preaching peace. He's still telling them, you can come into my kingdom. He's still giving them an opportunity. You can come into my kingdom. You can have my peace. I want you to know the time is drawing short. I'm soon going to shut all of this down. I'm soon going to stop all of this play of evil. I'm soon going to shut it down. It's going to reach its climax in the kingdom of the Antichrist. But I'm going to come and I'm going to defeat him. And I'm going to destroy all of that. But I'm going to tell you if you want out of that, if you want to escape that, if you want to live under my reign and my rule, if you want to know goodness and peace and righteousness, if you want to know holiness and happiness and contentment, then come and place your life under my rule and under my dominion, glory. That's what you and I are doing. That's what he's doing in this hour. He is reigning. He is directing the nations. But his reign is such right now that it's patient. It's merciful. And he's reaching out to mercy to the nations and saying, all oh, that we let him come. Whosoever will let him come. Whosoever will let him come. Whosoever will let him come. And drink the water. Of life, the spirit and the bride say, Come, come and drink of the water of life freely. Woo! Hallelujah! Glory to the Lamb of God. That's his priority. And he reaches that place 
when he says, okay, all that can come have come in this age. And he shuts it down. And he brings it to a close. Seven years of tribulation after the rapture. And then he returns. And when he returns, we return with him. And then the knowledge of God fills the earth, the sea, and the sky. Now men are trying to wipe out that knowledge. Now men are trying to shut it down. Get rid of his commandments. Get rid of the Bibles. Get rid of the fundamental Christians. Get rid of those who want to speak of Jesus Christ as being the only way to God. Shut all that mess down. Get rid of it. And we don't want him. But it's coming to a place that everyone all across the world will know God. Everyone will know he's true. Everyone will know he's real. We were going to a world where there will be nations. But there will be nations who have subjected themselves to the rule and the reign of Christ. The nations that go into the millennium kingdom are those nations that even when they did not know it, they did it under the least of his, his brethren. There was something about them that they still had some common sense and decency. And they were willing to respect those that were struggling. And they hid the Christians. They saw they were un unjustly treated. And, and they treat them with some sense of justice, though yet they do not know everything that's going on and understand the full sense. There are governments that will permit that and allow it during the millennial reign. And they will be allowed. Or, or during the tribulation, during the millennial reign, they will be allowed to go to continue their kingdoms under the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. And so there's going to be an Egypt, and there's going to be an Israel, and there's going to be an Assyria, and there's going to be a kingdom over here, and there'll be kingdoms maybe on, on this continent, and there'll be some kingdoms, but every one of those kingdoms are going to be subject under the rule and the reign of Jesus Christ. There will be no idols, there will be no temples. Oh, go into the land of God. How of worship will no doubt continue but there'll be one temple in Jerusalem and that's where the throne of the king is going to be and there will be places folks will gather to worship him and they will come and bring their tithes every year up to the land of Jerusalem and there they will worship the king and honor the king of glory but wherever you go men will know there is a God there will be no atheist there will be no agnostic there will be none that says he is not real he is not true you can see him. He is in Jerusalem. Go see the nail scars in his hand. Go see the scars in his feet. Go talk to the millions of glorified saints who are witnesses of the resurrection and of the resurrected God. He lives and the world will know peace. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And during that time, he shuts down his opposition. He locks the devil up in prison. Locks his kingdom up in a bottomless pit. Puts a seal over it. Shuts the door and seals it up. <laughs> oh, I love that. Hallelujah. That's what they tried to do to Jesus. Lock him in a tomb and seal it up. Seal the tomb. Oh, he don't matter. He'll break the seal. He don't even worry about that. He'll come out. Well, then leave the seal intact if you want to. He'll live. But the devil will not escape that seal until a little time after that time of millennial reign. But I just want to get you to the millennial reign to know he's reigning right now. He's ruling right now. What are we doing? We are going to believe him. We are going to trust him. 
him. His priority right now is not for me to go and convert the White House. His priority is for me to reach people. His priority is for me to reach individuals and let them come into the kingdom of God because where peace of God is being preached and there's still a door of escape that is made for men and women. Judgment is coming. Woo! Hallelujah. Let me close it here. That was his supremacy. But then there's his submission. He says, All power is given. If there is a gift, there must be a giver. Christ is not doing the giving, he's doing the receiving. It's given to him. And obviously, the one who gives the gift is the one who is in higher place. Christ is saying this as the God-man, but he's particularly emphasizing here his humanity because they're looking at him in flesh. It's given to me. There's just wonders and glories of the incarnation that you and I simply cannot grasp. How he can be fully God and fully man, and yet only one person. So that both natures remain distinct. His human attributes are there, distinct. As man, he prays and worships. As God, he is worshipped. As God, he knows everything. As man, he's limited. As God is omnipresent, as man, he's only present in one place, visible. But as God, he's omnipresent. I can't tell you. How's that? I don't know. All I can tell you is it's true. Great is the mystery of godliness. And there are times when he speaks and emphasizes his humanity. There's times he speaks and emphasizes his deity. And whatever he does in his humanity is somehow, has to be somehow, it's felt in his deity. And whatever he is in deity has to be in some measure expressed in his humanity. Because he's not two people. He's not sometimes God and sometimes man. He's not half God and half man. He's all God and he's all man. And those two natures are distinct, they're never confused, and yet, and one doesn't dissolve the other or obliterate the other. They're distinct from one another. And yet, they're both fully operative, all in one person. That's, that's, that's amazing to me. It's amazing. I've preached about it, I've thought about it, I've talked about it, so many messages, but it just still overwhelms me. I can't grasp it. And yet, in this aspect, he speaks that now, you see, there's something about him. As God, he's been the eternal king. As man, he must earn the kingdom by proving his worth and demonstrated his worthiness to rule. And he did that. As God, he cannot sin. As man, he would not sin. 
Hallelujah. As God, he cannot lie. As man, he would not lie. Woo, hallelujah. As God, he cannot be tempted. As man, he was tempted, but without sin. <laughs> hallelujah. Woo, glory. And so that when it's all done, this one person cries and says, Father, glorify me with the glory which I had with you before the world there was. And when he gets exalted to that right hand, again, the exaltation is an emphasis upon his humanity. He is there as exalted man. And yet being exalted man, he is also God. Right. <laughs> truly God, truly man. Right. Woo, hallelujah. And yet there he lives. And there we recognize. And there he, he is the resurrected Lord over all. Lord of heaven and Lord of earth. He sits there. But I want you to see something that in this sense, the one that you and I yield to, the one whose kingdom we are under, we are not under a tyrant. We are not under someone who doesn't know about submission. We're under someone who showed us what submission is all about. They came to this earth. Oh, yes, we can't look at Jesus and say, you don't know what it is to be under authority. You don't know what it is to live under a tyrannical governor. You don't know what it is to have to put up with wicked folks. You don't know what it is to have to live under people who don't understand who you are. You don't know how to it is to live like in a nation that strips away your freedoms. He came down and he lived upon this planet. And as he lived upon this planet, the Bible said that though he were a son, yet learned the obedience by the things which he suffered. He went through this toil or this toil and this problem and this difficulty. He faced this battle and he faced that battle. And when it all came comes down to the end, you know what? When he comes out on the other side, he knows what it is to toil under pressure. He knows what it is to obey when you're under oppression to disobey. He knows what it is to yield and believe when doubts are surrounding you and infidelity is around you. He knows what it is to be selfless when you're surrounded by selfishness. He knows what it is to obey God when everything's pushing against you to keep you from obeying God. He kept on obeying God. And so God said this man is committed to obedience. He's committed to righteousness. He's committed to truth. He will obey even when he's got everything every opportunity to do otherwise. He will do right when he's got every other opportunity to do otherwise. I can trust him with power. I can trust him with the earth. I can trust him with heaven. I can put it all under his feet. He understands submission. And then he takes this kingdom. And I want you to notice something. When it's done, and he's put everything under his feet. And he's conquered it all. He doesn't sit back and say, look at me. He turns to Father and says, it's yours. That's why we throw our crowns at his feet. Because we understand that. That's why we take all that he's given us and give it back to him. That's why we take our lives and serve him. Because when he gives it and we rule and we reign. And then when we conquer and we've done good and God has helped us. We turn around and say the glory belongs unto you. And the kingdom is yours. The finances are yours. Everything belongs to you, God. And you know who our example is? None other than the one who sits upon the throne. All power is given, he said unto me. That meant there was a giver. And the Father is the giver. And he's the receiver. He is one under authority, exercising authority. And you and I are the same way we are under authority, exercising authority. And we will yield everything to Christ. He yields everything 
to the Father and there is an order, oh glory to God, that places God as all in all. Yes, the future is coming when we will glorify him and we will honor and know that he is a man to be revered. He is a man that is great. He is a man in that regard. But let us also know that this, that it is not so much man that will be worshipped, but God Almighty. Man will have a place of dominion. Man will have a place of rule. Man will sit upon the throne, but man will also take that glory and give it unto God so that the glory will not be given to man. The glory will be given to God. The honor will not come to flesh. The honor will go to he who is spirit, who is the creator of all things. Christ will receive all glory and honor because he is God and is worthy of our praise and our worship. He is submissive. And I close right here. I want you to notice his singleness. All power is given to me. He didn't say all power is given to me in my cabinet. There is no vice regent. There is no vice president. (laughs) Woo, glory. No, sir. There is no co-king. No, sir. There is none. He sits solitary. He sits there in that sense by himself. I don't help him and you don't help him. I can share in it and exercise it as he allows me, but I don't get anything to contribute to who he is. I don't contribute to his power. He didn't get anything from that. God didn't give it to Jesus and the United States government. He didn't give it to Jesus. Come on now. And yes, some church pastor. He didn't give it to Jesus and a prophet. He didn't give it to Jesus and Moses. He didn't give it to Jesus and Elijah. He didn't give it to Jesus and the apostles. He gave it to Jesus and Jesus alone. There is none but him who will have this power. He didn't say it's given to me and my company. It's given to me. End of the story. I've got it in 12. Oh, hallelujah. What's so great about that? I don't pray to a committee. I pray to one God. I don't report to a board. I report to one God who can make a decision. He doesn't have to have a committee meeting when something's got to get done. He decides and it's accomplished. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Stand to your feet this morning. A monarch, a one ruler government is the most efficient government in the world. (laughs) The most efficient. Yes, sir. And I can tell you something. It's only good if the heart of the one ruling is good. And that kind of government, if the ruler's good, will be the best government you can ever live under. If the ruler's bad, it'll be the worst government you can ever live under. But our king is good.